to Garage Night, where friendships are tested. I am Randall, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I am Jeff. And I am Andy. And tonight, we're going to talk about generic car news, stuff, and no Bronco news. But there's plenty of Bronco news. No, there's not. We're not going to pay that. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> that is all that is on the front page of everything. We are we are taking a week off um, before we go back to that for the new Bronco cast that this will become. Um, and usually we just start off with the ride segments, but uh, real quick, I do want to welcome a, a, a guest on the show tonight. Uh, my wife, Abigail, is joining us. Abby. Please yes. don't use my real name. Oh, no. Of course not. <laughs> Makes me sound like I'm in trouble. Well, <laughs> it's not yeah. untrue. Yeah. Um, so uh, with with rides, we're going to start off today with, uh, with Andy. Um, have you been up to very much today, Andy? Just more failures and, you know, Fords that don't work. You know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary for me. Same same problems or exciting new problems? No, uh, more of the same. So I got the master cylinder swapped in the Focus, and of course it didn't fix any of my problems. And I had me and Jeff chatted about it the other day, and I spent all of about five minutes working on it, trying to troubleshoot it, and gave up and just letting it sit in mothballs in, in the in the yard now. Um. Yes, I don't know what the problem is with it. It's just got it's got no pedal. Um, basically, brakes just go to the floor. It's got like it's got some resistance, like you can feel it pushing fluid, but it does absolutely nothing to try and stop it. So I I don't know. Um, my scan tool isn't high enough grade to to run the the bleed on the ABS system either. So I don't know even know if that's the problem or not, or if I have air trapped somewhere else or if I have something else that's filled that I don't know yet. So um, if you bleed the brakes, have you tried bleeding the brakes at all? No, I haven't messed with it yet. I mean, I, I, you know, I got the master put back in and I muscled up and put the, put it back together and threw the wheels back on it and got it off the stands and out, out of the <clears> quick. Cause there was a bad thunderstorm that was coming through that was supposed to drop a lot of hail. So I was itching to get the Mustang back inside. I would just bleed the brakes, man. Just see if you, maybe you got air somewhere in there. Like, who knows? Like maybe, maybe you boil the brake fluid somehow. I don't have no idea, but. Yeah. Just, it's, it's, just, just, yeah. It's on, it's on the list of things to try. Um, yeah. The, like I said, I was just trying to get the Mustang in for that night. And um, I took the Mustang out to a cruise here. The, this last weekend here, Saturday. Um, Mountain boys that we went up some, uh, Mountain roads, kind of north northeastish out of Boise, about hour and a half outside of town and back. It was a fun drive, bunch of nice cars, uh, good people, nice cars, and whatnot. It's a nice drive out there, but coming back the whole the whole way back, it only wanted to really run on seven cylinders. It was dropping a cylinder like most of the way, um, and so I don't know what the problem is there. I have to dive into that too. So you're going to sell it and get a Falcon is what you're saying. I'm probably going to just sell it and not drive anything for like three years and just try and buy a 350U sometime and give up on doing anything, modding anything. Like an original 66 GT350, that's a good idea. I, that's the first idea that I think that I can agree with for you. Well, if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to put a turbo on it. 
And that gets back to the same problem of modding. Yeah. Yeah, you mod stuff too much. Yeah, it's my problem. Yeah. Mod until it breaks, but there's supposed to be some time between the modding and the breaking, son. Yeah, there's With supposed smile. to be some time. Not, yeah. not, I, I'm not even breaking anything. It's just intermittent problems. I found that Mustangs, with the exception of the bullet, generally just break. Probably do, yeah. Well, well the bullet yeah. didn't break because I didn't drive. Probably should, you know, I probably should sell it and buy a Kia Stinger. Ooh, that's not a bad decision. There's worse <laughs> things you've said. There are worse <laughs> cars out there. I mean, maybe you could probably get uh, used Chevy SS uh, for the same money. Oh, no. No. Those uh, are about no, twice the price. I was thinking more along the minds of a modded avio. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah, an avio. Maybe mm. uh, just go, just go get an old uh, Mark Eight. Oh, like just, a just like a Lincoln Mark Eight, the full full grandpa car. There you go. Nothing beats a nice ride. Hey, <laughs> I am I am. It's well known that I really like the the Panther platform cars like the, uh, I had a town car that I've talked about. That thing was fun. Yeah. I like some old cars. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I'm basically at that. I've got that in the garage now. Um, try and run that down. And now that I've got it in here, I'm going to take the exhaust off and have the, the, the solenoids sent out and, either replaced or rebuilt and have those put back in and give that one more shot. Because those are I... under warranty, correct? Yeah, they're lifetime warranty, but you have to pay to ship them. So we'll we'll see. I'll I'll pay to ship them once and if they fail again, I'm taking them off. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically it. And I'm gonna start tearing stuff apart this week. I have nothing better to do. Um get the exhaust apart and sent out and See if I can figure out if there's anything issue with the ignition on the on the Cobra. I it's got new plugs in it and everything. I mean, it's due for an oil change too, so I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, that's basically where I'm at in the focus. Once once I get a time, once I'm done with the Mustang or sort of done with the Mustang, I'll start messing with the focus once I have the garage open again. I don't have room for both of them. Yeah, one thing at a time, right? Well, we're going to move on to, um, we're actually going to kind of shoehorn in a, a segment here. And uh, it's a, kind of a guessing game is what we're going to do here. Uh, Andy, you get to come down out of the stands, Price is Right style. Oh, and, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> big money. Uh, roll that big, beautiful wheel. This wheel of fortune. I mean, at this point, why don't we just play Jeopardy? So, Andy, step right over here, and you're going to be competing for absolutely nothing. No, he's competing for friendship points. Ooh, I think that is actually going to go the other way. Um, <laughs> so you're going to have, uh, we're going to start with five. Uh, you get to ask five questions. Uh, one of us has made a terrible decision. Um, and there is a new car in someone's stable. As of, <laughs> uh, 
as of uh, July 25th, as we are recording this was yesterday. Um, so uh, you get five, five questions to see how close you can get to uh, what we, what one of us picked up. Okay. First question. Number one, Abigail, what did Randy buy? <laughs> that actually, is clever. That is clever. Actually, but Randy did not buy anything. Boy, that is <laughs> that is that is true. Okay, so how I wanted to set this up is kind of a, a this or that sort of a scenario. <laughs> um, so, like, I'm going to give you one uh, right away. It would be um, who bought it, Jeff or Randy would be one uh, or another one like um, uh, is it this brand or that brand? And you can kind of narrow it down, you know, start with your two most likely guesses and, and you can try You're trying and to figure in. out exactly who bought what, when, where, why, and how. Just however much you can get in five guesses. You might get some extra guesses just in case you're a little handicapped. Well, we, we, all, we all know I'm a little more okay. Hmm. Okay, so five questions. Question number one. Question number one, Randall, is it older than 1995? Yes, it is older than 1995. <laughs> Question number two, Jeff, do you approve? Hmm. This is... That's, yeah, uh... I I do. <laughs> this is a really this is a really bad game. I apologize. Uh, okay, question three. I, I was expecting these answers answer to be a little more narrowing. I, I would say, I would say that would be a, that would be a more yes than it sounded. <laughs> uh, Randy, does it have two wheels or four? It has four wheels and a spare. And a spare. You got two spares. Two spares, yes. Randy. You're running out of questions fast. I I, I know. This isn't helping me. <laughs> Is it of American made? Yes, by brand and by assembly point. It was built in the U.S. by a U.S. company, Yes. Mm, Randy, why did you buy GM Witchcraft? I did not buy GM Witchcraft. Next question. Rusk Eras. What era is it from? Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go with. Give me a decade. To a decade. 50s. Yeah, fifties. Fifties. Did 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 you buy an old F one hundred? No. Again. You just you just blew Andy's mind. By the way. Just, I can tell by the silence that he's like, you bought something from the 50s? Are you kidding me? I'm going to go with, with, uh, I'm going to go with, did you buy a Rambler? No. I did send him a few Ramblers for him to buy, but he didn't buy it on any of them. That's a good, that's a good one. Then I'm going to go with, Either maybe a Hornet or a Gremlin? No. Why would we let him? Why would I let him buy a Gremlin? Why would I, don't I know. buy a Gremlin for that? Gremlin, the gremlin, gremlin was 70s, but. More sense. No. Yeah. Okay. 
Gremlin was seventy. The Hornet was fair, though. That was the, fair. The, the Hornet was fair. Hornet Randy was, did not buy yeah. it because he liked it. He bought it because I also liked it. So that it, that throws a monkey wrench in it's everything. It's something we both like. <laughs> did you? It, is it at Plymouth? No. Ooh, Ooh you're 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 getting, getting close. Warmer. You're getting really close. Mm. Like I said, friendships will be tested with this one. <laughs> you're probably right. This company made a uh, was one of the first companies companies to make a V8 Hemi. I I wrote down that it's a that it's owned by Dodge. Mm-hmm. I can't. Dodge didn't make the first V8 Hemi, or at least it wasn't sold for Dodge. It was no. sold for a. I, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start talking about it. I'm gonna start talking about it without saying the name of it, and uh, Andy can break in when he figures it out. Uh, this was an automobile produced between 1939 and 1952. Um, it was an entry-level car uh, offered in two-door and four-door. Uh, there was also a suburban-sized uh, sedan. Uh, the body was claimed to be rust-proofed. Um, uh, it used the L-head 237 cubic inch uh, straight six. Um, it had a fluid transmission for an automatic. Yeah, it was one of the first automatics with a gyro fluid drive uh, transmission, which this one does not actually have. And it was assembled in Los Angeles, California. Versus Detroit. I can attest that the rust proofing was not very good. Ah. Uh, Fine. I've seen worse. Mm, like my car? Yes, like your car, currently. It, it was used for taxis and limos. That is true. It was popular because it was an entry level, um, which actually that's where the trouble came in is Chrysler matched it up to Dodge. Their, Mo, their Mopar guys are losing their minds. Um, <laughs> why it's fun to do to Andy because he has no idea about uh, classic Mopar. This is probably the darkest spot in his automotive knowledge. Oh yeah. Um, but they, st uh, Chrysler started this company the same in 1928, the same year they bought Dodge brothers. I mentioned this, but they actually lined them up to be competitors, which is fine. Cause at the time this car, uh, when, it, when it first came out, uh, was the best selling vehicle in the country until 1960 with, the Ford Falcon. Yes. All right, Andy, we will we will end your suffering. Uh, please, please do. Yesterday, after looking around for quite a long time, um, and I've looked at these before, we uh, went to go look at an old Jag, uh, and it was it was sold, and it's really hard to find a, a good good one of those. And I kind of hmm. decided maybe I should look for something that was less of a project than that was, and. Uh, Something that you could actually finish because you've had several project vehicles and yet you never seem to finish any of them. Yeah. So the reason that this is acceptable is because I am not the main on this project. Um, I'm the main laborer, but this is more Abby's project car than mine. And uh, she already has a binder and a notebook that she's filling out. So this will actually happen or it's not my fault. So <clears throat> we found one of these in Longview. 
uh, we found a couple of them, but we found one in Longview. We drove up there and we checked it out and uh, Jeff went with us and checked it out and I ended up driving it home. Uh, and now sitting in the driveway is a 1950 DeSoto Deluxe Sedan. Yeah, I never would have got that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing I wasted 15 minutes of it. Yeah, I was going to say, we could have spent 15 minutes talking Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I did want to just say that I, I really enjoyed the drive back yesterday until I got home and I found my car peppered with oil from your exhaust pipe. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll it looked like I had chicken pox on the front of my car. Well, I mean, I don't know. You were only like <clears throat> 50 feet behind me, so maybe you should have been farther back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I could see you buying that. Yeah, you looked up some pictures of it. Yeah. It's it's really pretty neat. So it's a three on the tree, which I've never had before, but I've been able to drive uh, Jeff's uh, plenty here and there. Um, so really that's the only way I was able to drive it home is because I had some experience and they're not really that hard to uh, that hard to drive at the end of the day. Um, the biggest thing is like the clutch is the, the engagement is really high on the uh, on the actual pedal throw, so that's kind of uh, irritating. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a pen. Hmm, better than something else. Uh, Jeff actually probably knows more about this car than I do. Um, I just know numbers which are dismal, uh, to say the least. Uh, it has a theoretical top speed of 85 miles an hour. It does 0 to 60 in, uh, well, this is with the automatic, but 0 to 60 in 18.6 seconds. And it'll do the quarter mile in 21 seconds. Yeah, that's on par with the Fox. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, compared to a rock. Yeah. Well, it depends <laughs> if the rock's falling from space or not, but yeah. Well, they don't <laughs> fall from space. They fall from, like, the troposphere, but nothing falls in space. There's no doubt. Say that to the dinosaurs. <laughs> what dinosaur <laughs> fell from space? Dinosaurs from space. Rocks. Dinosaurs from space. I just envisioned Dwayne the Rock Johnson falling from space. Oh my God, Jeff. Now I do too. Sorry. Thank you for that. <laughs> so so um, I picked this car up. It's got some rust. Uh, like it's mostly clean, but there's a little bit of rust on like the B pillar bases and the bottoms of the, the doors and uh, around the trunk lid area. There is a little bit there that I'm going to have to to deal with. Other than that, there is some kind of would you call it bodywork? I would call it, it uh, butchery, but that—that's just me. It was—it's uh, what a lot of guys do when they don't want to weld or have access to a welder, um, and they—and oh, you're talking the out, outside. I was thinking the floor, um, but, but the, the outside floor, also. Floor. Yeah, the outside also was pretty rough. They. Uh, there's some there's some rust starting in the bottom of bottoms of the doors and instead of properly 
taking care of it, cutting out the rust and replacing it, the guy just smeared Bondo over it and uh, left the Bondo sitting <laughs> exposed. And uh, and I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but the floor has fiberglass uh, over the rust holes. And the guy that did it put basically fiberglass over not just the rust holes, but the entire floor, it appears, in the in the front compartment. <clears throat> Yeah, so that's that's Pretty not sure ideal. Andy is cringing internally and in every way possible. <laughs> He's probably thinking like, if your car's all plastic, you don't have rust. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag nineties. Could be worse. Could be all fiberglass. Sorry, our dog has a drinking problem. You're gonna have to give us a minute. If, if you stay quiet, I can just cut the whole bit. Out. A drinking problem? Oh yeah. Too much vodka. Well, drinking problem which one like pole or yeah like like airplane yeah he has a drinking problem in airplane airplane that's an old movie i don't i don't oh you're talking the the new one with uh or not that's sully uh what's airplane that's the old one where everyone gets sick on the plane right yeah and the, the, oh, the, the comedy it's classic leslie he throws he says I, i'm sorry i have a drinking problem he throws a glass of water in his own face oh <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but the outside had some places where they had kind of, kind of sanded uh, through the, through the paint to the base, and that was starting to uh, surface rust a little bit. Um, and this had, so it had the kind of primer, um, and then it had, oh, three different colors going on. Yeah, it had uh, a like a like a tealy green that we assumed was a color that it came with called, uh, what was it? We decided, or Cape, no, it wasn't Cape, Glen, Glen, or Glade Green. Um, Glen Green was the one we thought it was. And, but what's really cool is you can actually, because VIN numbers didn't exist at this time, they have a stamp on the inside of the engine bay, and then they have one on the B pillar. A pillar? Is that the A pillar? Uh, it's the A pillar. It's on the A pillar. Um, but the stamp on the inside of the engine bay tells you where it was manufactured. So ours was manufactured in Los Angeles in 1950. And then it tells you, it actually says um, trim level, body color, um, the model, and then something else that I can't read. But we learned that our car was originally Samoa beige. And you think, oh, like beige, like a khaki color. No, it's dark, like, like turd brown. I'm going to be really it's a pretty ugly color. Like a coppery turd brown. Yeah. We, we were wanting to kind of restore it to what we, when we thought it was the kind of a, kind of a olive drab green kind of, we're like, Oh, that's, that's not bad. That's, that's doable. It's just kind of a pastel green that comes on a lot of older cars. But, um, so we're like, Oh, we'll just kind of go with that. Keep it original. And then once we found out what the actual color was and saw it, yeah, we put the brakes on real quick. And, um, and it, so and far it, I, I do like the idea of like, cause they do have some options in the 1950s that came in two tones. So they have an upper, so the roof would be one color and then the lower would be a different color. And they have one that is actually a Royal blue and then a Pacific blue on the bottom. And so it's a really dark blue and then kind of more of a, a lighter, not kind of seafoam. No, it's, it's more like a light, like Crayola, Crayola light blue kind of on the bottom. They do like yeah. that one, and then they also make a black on top and then maroon bottom, 
which I thought was pretty cool. I like the black on top and the princess yellow on the bottom, but everybody no. seems to go me about that. So yeah, not her new car apparently. That's just because it looks really bad. That's all. Because beige is <laughs> just better. That's my car. So um, speaking of putting the brakes on things, how does it stop? I mean, it does uh, mostly. Uh, so the brakes yeah. had been had been gone through. Uh, he flushed the lines, replaced a lot of the lines, uh, new wheel cylinders, and all of the uh, all the drums, new pads, and all the drums. And so I've had this experience before where the brakes work, but I would say seventy five percent of the pedal, the first seventy five percent, kind of don't do anything, and then the the actual braking force is all at the bottom and i mean for for me this is kind of how i expect a 1950 car to work um is not you know not well but so it does eventually stop but after jeff uh drove it um back around this in this area he uh recommended that we find a way to boost the braking power a little bit is that correct well, I, I think that after driving it, that the brakes, something is not right in the brakes. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> generally on the old cars like that, in general, I'm speaking in general, like, I don't know the eccentricity. So they did a lot of interesting things in all these cars back in the day. So there's lots of new stuff for the age that never made it into cars past the 50s. So, like, it's not really seen on cars post-1960, you know, so... Like, like, for instance, a good example of that is your rear drums have castle nuts holding the basically the axle in. Like, that's something you don't see on any type of new car or even but those, axles, those yeah. axles are also tapered uh, so they don't yeah. just slide right out. Right, right. And that was the thing they did back in the day, which, you know, to our brain is some a different way you have to think about servicing the vehicle and maintaining it. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is from my from my basic knowledgeable cars, it seems to me like it's a simple drum adjustment. Um, like on my Falcon, the, as the linings wear, the drum, the floor becomes closer to the pedal. And over time, you have to adjust that. And it's just a part of the maintenance schedule. So every two years on my Falcon, I'll pull the drums off. I'll spin the little nuts. Or, you know, if you don't have to pull the drums off, sometimes there's a little access hole in the back. You can just spin it with a spoon, depending on how seized your, your, uh, your adjuster is. And that just pushes the drums out closer or the uh, linings out closer to the drum. And then that'll hold the, uh, that'll basically hold a little bit of drag, brake drag, which is common for drum brakes. That's what you want. You want some drag. Um, and that'll hold that, uh, that up against the drum. And so when you hit the pedal, your, your pedal's near the top. And generally when your pedal's closer to the bottom, that just indicates that they're not adjusted correctly. Um, so um the, the the other thing is the clutch is the same way the clutch engages all at the very top mm-hmm. uh so my experience with manual cars the the ranger that i have is a hydraulic clutch so it mm-hmm. automatically adjusts it um yeah the only other manual i had was the bullet and that is a cable with a quadrant that mm-hmm. can be adjusted but it was always great. It always engaged exactly how I wanted it to. So I didn't really get into any of that. Uh, and Jeff and Andy, you guys both have a lot more experience in adjusting uh, brakes and clutches. So um, so from, from 
from you, Andy, and then from you, Jeff, because yours is also in kind of vintage. Uh, what do you guys, what's your guys' experience on adjusting those sorts of things? Like how adjustable is it for feel and how much of it is just kind of an inherent way that a car drives? The, uh, the clutch on old cars is super adjustable. Um, they have like on my Falcon, it has what's called a Z bar link, um, that it pivots, uh, between the body and the bell housing. And it's, uh, it's got a, basically a nut on each side and you can just change the nut and that changes your pedal engagement. You just adjust the nut up or down on this rod, this threaded rod, and that just changes your engagement uh, on the pedal. So, um, super, super, super simple, at least on my car to adjust. And I'd imagine yours is probably a similar situation. They made a lot of things back in the fifties and sixties, very adjustable. Whereas now they make things replaceable. They don't really make, they, they eliminate sources of error by not making them adjustable. Um, and, but back then Andy, they had a different mentality. Uh, Andy, how does that, how does it differ to use like a quadrant? The, the quadrant's usually not, at least from what, what I know of on Mustangs, the quadrant's usually not adjustable. That's like on the Mustang, both mine that I've had, um, the adjustment is, you either have you have an adjustment um, down on the um, like if you have aftermarket stuff at least the like the Mustang on the Cobra it's got um, an a, a adjuster at the firewall and an adjustment down on the cable itself um, so it's essentially double adjustable that way I mean it's kind of got infinite adjustment to it I want to say not really infinite but you get what I'm saying. As good as infinite, yeah. Yeah. You, by the time you run that out, you're going to be out of uh, clutch pad. Right. Okay. So, I mean, there's lots of different ways that they could have made this work, but in general, this is an easier thing to adjust uh, being the, the clutch uh, that is. Um, yeah. But uh, brakes, I know probably... Probably with you, Andy, I know Jeff's Mustang has adjustable brake bias because they installed that when they changed to a five lug. But uh, what's your experience, Andy, with um, adjusting uh, sensitivity and like uh, where the pedal activates brakes? How, how adjustable? Have, as far as adjusting on? brake sensitivity, I have no idea. Your oh brake sensitivity for for old cars like ours it's generally pretty fixed and generally it's pretty good like your car shouldn't stop that poorly uh, I think something's going on there um, um, you haven't driven my Falcon since I've pretty much bought it I don't think but um, that's a very similar setup to what yours is um, except yours is mounted. You have a master cylinder mounted below the, uh, the pivots from the floor and mine pivots from the firewall. Uh, my pedal pivots from the firewall. Um, but it generally those old brake brakes in cars, when they're set up, right, they break extremely well. Um, they just require more maintenance. So I think that something's going on with yours that would cause it to not break very well. Um, but just as a point of perspective, the Falcon is the best stopping Ford I've ever owned from the factory. Uh, it stops better than any car I've ever been in that is from that is a Ford car um, from the factory. 
I'm gonna I am gonna I'm gonna real quick ask, does it stop better than the bullet did? Because I think I ripped okay. my face off. Yeah, you ripped my face off. But I don't know, man. I think that it would hold a candle to it. And I, I'm I, I'm not kidding in that because the car doesn't weigh anything. And I can yeah. go from sixty yeah. to zero in that car and stall the engine because it'll slosh all the fuel to the front of the bowl and start it. Like it, oh, it's, you drove it, you drove it a couple times. I think actually, now that I remember you drove it again once. And I said, you were a little timid in the corners because you were, you were driving it and you, and it was a little, it, it didn't have the precise steering that you are used to, which now you're seeing that it actually is pretty good for the age after driving your car. But uh, when you hit the brakes in that car, it'll, it'll, it'll basically skid all four tires and you'll just stop. And it's really good, but it, it would be tough to compare it to a 20, you know, I guess a 60 year old or 60 year newer car. Um, but, you know, I would say from anything pre 95, it's probably better than any factory Ford setup I've been in. Yeah. And that's the other thing is steering boy, the, the steering, the steering and body roll leave, leave a little bit uh, to be, uh, to be wanted. Um, there's, there's this fun experience that I, that I got this morning going to work. Um, where you come up to a corner and, uh, you, you know, hands in the normal positions, you look into the corner, you turn the wheel like you always do. And then there's an, oh dear Lord, more, more, more. And you just start grabbing the wheel and just, and Mm -hmm. no power steering. So you just, you're grabbing the wheel and yanking it and then, you know, hand over hand to try and make a 90 degree corner at 30 miles an hour. There's, there's a fun little panic. What I what I love about hearing you talk about this is this is how I drive my cars all the time. And it doesn't like, it just is, it's normal for me because that's just what I drive. And then to hear it be so foreign to you is kind of funny to me because it's just, it's normal for me. Um, and I don't know, man, how your car actually though, I will say like that, that reciprocating balls steering uh, box that you have is really nice. Like it turns very easy. Does it like the you're talking about the DeSoto? Because yeah, the DeSoto, yeah, it turns great. I think. I mean, I think that the suspension. There's some weirdness going on with the suspension that should be looked at. Um, it 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 seems a little bit more wandery than it should, but it's a lot better than the Chevy. I drove a 1950 Chevy Styline four door sedan. Uh, in, I would say it was well before I got my Falcon, probably two or three years before I got my Falcon. And this is because I wanted one so bad for so long. Um, and I'd say, so this is back when I was fresh out of college. Um, and I drove one out in Beaverton and it was the scariest car I'd ever driven in my entire life. I took off down the road and this was probably a lot like the experience you had with the DeSoto. This car had bias ply tires that were probably, you know, 15, 20 years old at best. And I went around the first corner that was a 25 mile an hour. No, yeah, the 25 or 30 mile an hour corner. And I was going 25 or 30, but I thought I was going to die. Like it went straight through, <laughs> through the corner. The tires just folded over. I hit the brakes and they were at the floor like yours. And the, the clutch was okay. And the shifting was okay. And the power was all right. But the steering and the brakes were just absolutely terrifying. Um, and I, I was just laughing because it was so scary to be in that car. But then after driving yours, I was like, okay, this is a big improvement over that car that I drove, you know, however many years ago it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a totally different experience. 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Andy, have you, how much experience do you have like in Jeff's cars and with uh, things that don't handle and don't steer? Because me coming straight out of the BMWs into the DeSoto was, I mean, I can't think of any similarity between them. Uh, there's, other than them both being fun to drive, they're for completely different reasons. And I can't, I can't really rectify why I like both of them. <laughs> there, and this is, goes back to the thing I've, I've spoken so much about um, for so, for so much. And it's like, it transports you to a different time and it takes you to a different place and you feel different driving it. Like that DeSoto is like, you're piloting something that's just a different era. Like you're driving, you're experiencing a car as you would have experienced it in 1950. It's totally different from anything you experience now. And that just that divergence, that difference from what you experience every day in your BMW or your Ranger is totally it. it you're enjoying, you're soaking up every minute of that car. You're soaking up every like every movement of the body. You're paying attention to every noise, every mechanical feeling, and you're smelling the smells. You're just—it's it, totally immersive to me, um, and I love it. Like, and and that's one thing I mentioned to you. I think yesterday was I don't get that as much with my Chevy because everything on the car is basically new, even though it looks old and, and feels old inside. Whereas in the Falcon, it feels and drives like an old car. And I love that about it because it, it takes me to a different place, you know, and it's and it's just, and it's awesome. And you always have this can-do spirit. Like you can go drive that that DeSoto in hundred degree weather and it's not gonna overheat and it's gonna just cruise along. And you're gonna love that about it because you're like, yeah, this 50 year old, no. Is, huh? No, no, you, you cannot. Yeah, I, it oh, was 101 in Portland today. And uh, before before 10 o'clock, I got in the DeSoto to move it in the driveway and it almost murdered me because um, I couldn't touch the steering wheel. I couldn't sit in it. <laughs> I, I lost a pound and sweated three gallons uh, just sitting in that thing to move it around the driveway. There is no driving that thing in a hundred degree weather. Well, I'm not saying you could drive it in a hundred degree weather, but someone a little bit tougher, you know, built built less like a millennial would probably be able to drive it. <laughs> this is coming from the guy with air conditioning in his 1950 Chevy. Okay, so <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> How do you think, Andy? Do you have any questions? Do you have any thoughts? He's been just quiet. He doesn't know what to think. He's like, this is. This is outside of my era. <laughs> Did we do the motorcycle episode to him? Did we do that? I think we might. You, you may have. If it was his, he would drop in like a Hellcat engine in it, and he, you know, slam it on the ground on some like forty-inch wheels or some shit, and uh, just make it super fast and loud and do crazy donuts. <laughs> well, you wouldn't buy Dodge to begin no. with. Yeah, I'm 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 worried he's like unfriending me on on everything that that <laughs> I still exist on. No, um, because I'll, oh, he bought a Mopar. I can't speak to him anymore. Here, I'll, uh, here's the link. Here's what I'm looking at. Oh well, that's that's not a bad that's not a bad idea. Uh, so, 
he sent a, a link in our in our group chat to a 2013 boss 302 um, because we can't talk about a non-forge for very long um, I think we'll get our sponsorship pulled <laughs> Pro- I'm trying probably. to think of what Andy's wife would say if he brought home a car like that <laughs> she'd be like why you're not going to work on it <laughs> well that might be why she would be okay with it she's like oh this one's going to run <laughs> well not if Andy touches it yeah exactly <laughs> well he'll have to hey, put like Randy electric cutouts on the exhaust and it works oh that's where I stepped on it what if Randy doesn't touch my Beamer, it works. The minute he starts touching and fiddling with things, it dies. Or if Griffin gets to it. My God, that kid is just destructive. Don't let the two-year-old near anything. Yeah, no. The two-year-old destroys everything. I, I really found myself guilty today of, of getting more excited about your car that you just got than my vehicles. Um. I was so excited to drive an original old car like that yesterday and just like watch you experience it following you home and like just seeing you looking around and like taking it all in. I was like, I was like, I was having like flashbacks to when I was driving my Falcon home from Coos Bay, like two hours home. And I was just like soaking everything up, just the smells, the interior, like everything was just so cool. And uh, I was just like, man, I'm so jealous right now. Like he gets to drive this old car home he gets to have all these great memories, like fixing it up and like driving it and just enjoying it with his kids and everything. Like it's super cool, man. Like I'm, I'm super stoked that you got something like that. Well, I'm glad you like all of my cars better than your cars. That's pretty much how it is. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your, what are your list of things to do first? Oh my God. Okay. Well, see, now you've activated okay, my wife. So I'll go. You've activated my wife, and I'll see you guys later. Abby so, has been activated. Uh, so we re- we're going to reach out to the FCA, which is basically Chrysler's archives. Um, and they have IVM punch cards for what your car, as long as you can give them your serial number, which we have, you can actually find what you, if they still have it, you can actually find what your what your car was from the factory and what um, dealership it was sent to. So that was pretty cool to find that, but we're kind of just looking at modifying, like restoring, but modifying, obviously the brakes need to be modified a bit. Um, But for mechanical things, the guy said that the, what the crank bearings need to be replaced. Apparently we need windshield wiper motors, Um, the heater, which is missing. Uh, we need to clean the engine bay, replace some hoses, um, use like some engine restore. I think you talked about that to Randy, Jeff, and then yeah. um, we need a new spare tire. I can't call that mechanical because it kind of is if anything goes wrong. Um, externally, um, we need brighter taillights. We need actual turn signals that work. Um, probably going to go for brighter headlights. Um, some of the chrome is actually flaking really bad as we walked around and looked at it. So we need to, I mean, Randy, his family works in chrome, so they won't allow bad chrome in their driveway. Obviously we need to repaint it. I'm once again, I'm leaning towards, I like the maroon and black, so I get to have whatever I want anyway. So, um, <laughs> needs- so Abby, are you thinking like concourse restoration or are you thinking nice driver, good paint, or are you thinking, Keep it kind of ratty, keep it original. 
I kind of like the idea of the way that I look at it is I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be like what it was when it came from the factory, because I think that would be way too perfect. Like Randy and I were sitting in it and a lot of the interior is actually pretty darn nice. It needs to be cleaned, but it's still in really good Nick. Um, Uh The headliner, my God, no, but what we kind of talked about is like more of a, like 90% restore and the other 10% is modify. I would like, I personally would like new paint. I mean, I don't like the rattle can black. I think it, it looks hideous. I love you, Randy, but it looks hideous. No, no, it's fine. And um, I would rather have it be a color that came from the factory because I feel like those colors really do look good. And also like when we've looked at cars that have been restored, Randy hates anything with a bass boat finish. So, um, right. you know, just to with something more original, a little bit of patina I is fine. But for me, like, I don't want to sit in a nasty old car. You know? Sorry, Jeff. I don't. Yeah. Your Falcon is great. Like your Falcon, when you, your Falcon fits you. I mean, you look like the dad from the Minions. In it, so <laughs> it fits you. And it is, it's you, you know, you're, you're really wow. a 70 year old man in a like 30 year old yeah. body. So actually I think you're closer to 80 at this point. So, yeah. but I mean, that's, that's you, that's your thing. So for mm-hmm. me, what I'm more thinking is like, keep everything as original as we can. But like, I, what I really want is like, I told my dad today that we got, that we got this DeSoto and his words were why, like, Cause I mean, his aunt had one and he's like, she drove that thing. She drove the wheels off of it, you know? And he's like, I mean, it ran, but it wasn't great. You know, he talks about it. Like it's like a, for us, like a 95 Camry, like why would you get something like that? But for me, it's, I look at it, you know, I like history. So preserving a bit of history and it's also kind of like a piece of art, you know, like you're preserving a piece of art And if we can kind of bring it back to not necessarily original, because I don't really like the Samoa Brown that it was the color, but, you know, original to the era, you know, if Holly, whatever goes, we need cars from the 1950s. Does anybody have any of them? And we can be like, oh, hey, ours is in good Nick. And it looks like it's from the 1950s, but it's got all these nicer things for it. So, um, you know, some of the things that we, you know, like, Fixing the restaurant, you know, apparently ours, it should have reverse lights, which is kind of weird that it doesn't. I don't know if that was just an option back in the 50s versus now they're standard, but they do have them and we can put those on. Um, Some of it is just finding things that, you know, are original to the car that are broken or were never on the car or aren't on the car Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, Most of the work, though, is... Well, we've got one page for like what needs to be done externally. And those are definitely bigger things like repainting the entire car. But for internal, like inside interior needs, like we had to break it up into sections. So like the trunk versus the dash versus the, you know, like everything Mm -hmm. else. Um, But we definitely kind of talked about like doing the interior first because the mechanical stuff, it's pretty good mechanically, but interior wise, it's, it's rough. And we, you know, kind of keeping what you said, like, Hey, don't take the doors off the hinges, keeping that in mind. We talked about like 
we're not sure. And I don't know if you know this, but like we want to repaint the interior, but you know, in order to repaint the interior, we have to take the headliner off, but we don't know if we reach out to an upholsterer or somebody who, I guess that who does headliner headliners, like, do they need to know how the headliner comes off? So is it like it's coordination? And I, I mean, I've never done this before, but no. I am very neurotic. So mm-hmm. I will have all of my research, you know, before we do anything, I'm going to be like James May. Right? He's freaking out because he's like, we'll never get it done if you don't like have to make decisions and I can't have everything planned out. But I do have everything planned out. And so far I have, well... We're going to add some things like ours doesn't have seatbelts, you know, like mm-hmm. you could get them, I believe, but we're going to add them to that. Metro belt makes, makes kits. Yeah. And I can answer your headliner question too, if you want. Um, yeah. If you leave the headliner in it for the place to pull the headliner out, it allows them to get a pattern to sew. So they know the spacing between the bows and they also okay. are able to label the bows front to back. So they know the correct, uh, the correct placement of each bow. So if we were to pull, have them, I don't know, coordination wise, if we were to have them pull the headliner out and then we took the car to have it repainted on the interior, like the interior repainted, and then, you know, Mm. it's repainted on the interior and then they could put the headliner back in. You could do something like that. Um, It would take some coordination for sure. Um, The other option too is you could also paint. So the other the other thing too that you need to pay attention to on your headliner is if it tucks behind the window sill or not or the window seal or not. On those old cars, a lot of times they would they would set the window seal, uh, and the window seal actually holds the headliner in some of them. Some of them aren't. Some of them are. I don't know because it's got this like braided like braided cotton around instead of having like rubber. What we have, it's got braided cotton and it goes right up to that. So that's called your wind lace. Okay. So it goes up to and, the wind lace. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that's around your doors generally, but around your front window and your back window, it will either be stapled to the body, adhered to the body most likely as well, or it will tuck inside the window. Um, I've, I've seen staples and I've seen like what look like like finishing nails almost. So probably tacked uh-huh. around the windows and doors in the back. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I looked at the roof cause there's a hole where the light, the dome light is and I like, cause the headliner is totally ripped there. And I was like, kind of poking around looking to see if it was glued or anything. And it doesn't appear to be, I mean, maybe it was at one time, but it doesn't appear to be now. So you might call, um, um the guy down, uh, down here by me, uh, Mark Hayes. Uh, Hayes Auto Upholstery. He does really good work, and uh, he's pretty reasonable. He's probably the most reasonable guy I've talked to for a price, um, and he does good work. And he, uh, you might talk to him about how you want to do the headliner and what he would need, because one thing I would recommend while you're there, um, before you repaint or or after, but uh, before you do the headliner, certainly is you want to get that dome light wiring figured out. Um, yeah, I, so I you'll. The way those are run is they run up the uh, the wires, run up the holes in the A pillar, and you'll use like a mechanics wire to fish them through. And uh, those will be drug over to your dome light, and you want to get that fully functional before the headliner goes in. Okay, 
I don't know if we need a new lighter, if it just needs new wiring. We haven't looked at it. Or a new bulb or what? New bulb. So the, the old wiring is all uh, cloth. It's all cotton and uh, lacquer. Um, and so those that, as you can imagine, after seven years has been eaten away and abraded and chafed and will short out. Um, some gets in, some gets more is more prone to that, like engine bay wiring is a lot more prone to that than stuff in the body, but it still decays. So um, generally, if you look at the back of your dash and you look at the gauges uh, where the gauge wiring is, take it, use that as your assessment tool for the gate for the wiring in the rest of the car. And then uh, that will determine how much difficulty you'll have with uh, with the rest of the wiring. So we did see some braided copper and like, you know, his family has an electrician that they know and he, you know, he freaks out about braided copper or braided cotton wiring because he's like, mm -hmm. it's just no, no. And he, you know, Randy's like, it's only a six volt car, but it's also that we know better now. Like cotton isn't exactly a, the best insulator just saying is yeah. you know it's flammable so yeah and and it's just you know it deteriorates over time and uh animals like it um you know and so if mice have ever been in the car they'll eat it um, yeah. but you know if you can you know and, and honestly like and i told this to randy and he didn't believe me at all the wiring a car is pretty easy especially a car like that where you don't have a lot of other things going on it's probably one of the most simple things you'll do to the car. Um, and it gives you a good opportunity if you decide to rewire it to improve it, um, make your routing exactly how you want to, bundle wires how you want to, um, use the factory style um, harness tape, which is non-adhesive final tape, or you can use cloth if you have an older car, however you want it to look. Um, and, uh, and it's all fresh and then you're not worried about it. But you know, I would say based on the track record that Andy or Randy has of finishing cars, I would wait until he's comfortable to do that. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that kind of like safety related though is like, you know, steering wheels at that era don't collapse. Now yep. I believe your 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 Falcon, Falcon does collapse. Yeah, the, the steering the steering wheel collapses, but the column does not on the Falcon. Um, okay. But generally, the concern with that is one of two is, is twofold, really. It's uh, is your car a rear steer car or a front steer car? So when you open the hood, where's your steering locks? So that will help tell you one of two things. It'll help tell you first, when you get hit in, a, in an accident, how likely is that box going to be hit in the accident? And two, if it does get hit, is it likely to go up into your chest? Um, and that's generally what happened was when you get hit, that box would uh, get pushed up into your face or your chest and impale you. The other is if you want to put three-point seat belts in there, um, that would be a helpful thing to do, um, especially in a car with a non-collapsible column um, where when you, uh, when you hit that, if you were to get thrown into the front of that car, you're going to, that, that's going to be the first thing you hit is the steering wheel. Um, that's one of the uh, mod things that we were looking at doing is if it was possible to get three-point belts in there. I mean, we know it's a 1950 car. It's never going to be safe. There's no crumple mm -hmm. zone. There's probably not uh, a passenger escape uh, area so much, uh, like mm -hmm. the Tucker kind of uh, made popular. Um, 
So it may not have a lot of those sorts of things. It's not going to have airbags, but at least a three-point belt would help me uh, feel better every time I get in the car and I don't have a seatbelt put on it really. I mean, uh, some of the things I've seen have just been lap belts, which I mean, not ideal, but better than nothing, I feel. Lap belts are really easy to put in. I did that on my Chevy um, and they're great. They look, they look the part still. Um, you can get them from on Summit, get them from Retro Belt, and you can get them all colors um, to match your interior. If you wanted to do a three-point belt, it's doable, but uh, you'll want to weld a plate in behind your B-pillar so it doesn't pull, uh, just pull a bolt through. It's kind of tricky to do. It's not a trivial thing. So um, We may end up putting lap belts in now, like in the next mm -hmm. week, uh, get some ordered and and put them in and then we may push three you know three point two let's see if we can figure that out eventually uh kind yep. of like a level thing that way we'll get some belts in i'll feel better about that at least you know if it's good enough for an airplane it's good enough for the meat for me um and uh and then we'll kind of look into that as uh as a further thing down the road yeah. right that's a good plan and we got everything a lot of keep things on the road. Exactly. We got to get keep it on the road. That's the only way that I'm going to keep interest because we've kind of figured out that was kind of the biggest problem for me was if I couldn't drive it, I lost interest. Uh, if I couldn't ride it, right. if I couldn't use it, like so, usability is is key. And so, the only time that it can really be down is if it's at a shop getting interior putting, getting exterior painted having someone else do something to it. We also kind of discussed like, this is definitely going to be a fair weather car for us. Cause there's just, I mean, because of part of it is, you know, like we live on top of a hill, you know, so any like snow ice, I don't ever want to drive any car in that. So. Yeah. Where we live would just not be, it would yeah. not be safe in, in basically inclement weather and being, you know, having AC put in, you can tell us exactly how expensive and how much work it would be. Um, and it's quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. And I only paid a couple grand for the car. So, uh, you know, I don't want to pour too much into something like that that we're not really going to use. You know, we I don't really feel super safe taking our kids very far in it just because, like, everything else we own is five five star like we don't we don't mess around with uh safety with the kids so they're not going to be in it much which means we are limited to kind of date night or you know uh split use uh, of this car um so ac is not going to be a huge factor and currently it doesn't even have heat uh it actually has a hole in the floor which is not great um so I covered that with a with a uh, welcome mat. <laughs> That's working. <laughs> Thought Andy would like that. Um, but yeah, so it, it's going to be a fair weather car for sure. So, you know, that's even more important to keep it functional so we can just hop in it and go. It's probably going to be a battery tender car. Um, but we'll see if it gets more or less miles than the bullet. That should be pretty close. Yeah. And as it stands right now, we don't actually have a name for this car. Like, yeah, we name everything we, we own. They, they all have names. Yeah. Randy's uh, five series is, I call her Jezebel. We got Little Blue. We got Gertrude is the name of our X5. 
So we don't have a name for this one yet. So if you guys have any suggestions, otherwise it'll come yeah. I gave you some political ones, but I, I think that, that I'm going to omit those well, from this. Like 1950, what, 1950 presidential election, I think, is Eisenhower, I believe. I know. Just I'm call it Dwight. You, guys. you would know that offhand more than anyone Call else. it Dwight, please. Dwight. <laughs> Ooh, that's is actually not bad. That or just because it's, it's funny and it's an office reference. All right. It's office reference. It's also a president, right? Right. Oh, see, it was 1952. So 52 is the presidential election. So was it Eisenhower though, or was it was Eisenhower? Um, Dwight Eisenhower won in a landslide victory over Adili Stevenson. I'm butchering well, it. I mean, who was who was before, uh, or was that him getting reelected? Right. Hold on. My card. My phone. Because I mean, if he was, in bed. if he was, uh, if he was. Already elected, he was being reelected. That's uh, it. Was Truman? So it was Truman that was before him. Oh, so we so. could call it. We could call it Jim. Jim Carrey Truman Show. Uh, the Truman Show. Yeah, I like it. Actually, that kind of fits because the Truman Show is of that era. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the and it's all built on lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's. I don't. Yeah. This car's not built on very much. <laughs> all right. I'm I, gonna think you're gonna, I think you're going to find that you're going to love the simplicity of it because it's going to be very easy to work on for you. Well, it definitely is simple. It's simple in many ways. So, mm -hmm. um, well, Much I like think, Randy, it is simple in many ways. Well, everyone thank Abigail for joining us because it will never happen again. Paul <laughs> um, <laughs> burn. Uh, you're going to get oh, punched. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the safety zone. I'm uh, I'm a long ways away from getting punched, so I'm not that far. So <laughs> I didn't punch you last time I saw you, Jeff. That's true, because there's a virus going around. We're trying not to like high five and stuff. Yeah, but I could have used like a stick to whack you. <laughs> she she's gonna get that uh remember those those things in the cartoons, the acme long distance punch that you they you push the thing, the, the accordion the punching the goes out. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. gonna get one of those from, from Acme drop air dropped in with Wiley Coyote. It's gonna it, it's gonna uh, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna come out of the back of the license plate behind the car. <laughs> <laughs> we need some like James Bond era stuff. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm down for that. Rotate, rotating license plates. <laughs> and just to think, you were you were one day away from being in a 1968 Jaguar 420, and the next day you were in a 1950 DeSoto Deluxe. So that was probably a smarter way to go, though, we, because that Jag was not running. Yeah. So, so we did talk about it, and like my dream car like if i could have any oh, any dream car you know like he's he's yeah randy's making fun of me but i love mgs and i love the td which is like the long hood short deck cruella deville car that's the thing she, she likes mgs and spitfires and stuff but what what she really likes is those those Cruella de Vils, the, the, um, the, the, the Mercedes, uh, yeah, the Mercedes, uh, uh, what do they call those? Jackalopes or whatever. Um, right. I gazelles, I think. Here, I'll send you guys a picture. <laughs> hey, this one was, 
This one was for seven thousand dollars. It's actually quite a steal of a deal at that. Have that you met price. my friend? Digression. <laughs> it's not really pick. Come on. Um, I did on the way home from when we were following when I was following Randy and getting oil spit all over me. Um, <laughs> um, the power only smokes a little. Um, we'll see that we already have a James Bond thing going. I got oil. Sleep. You do. You have a smoke screen. Um, <laughs> there was a Studebaker uh, lark on the, uh, or no, was it a hawk? Was it a hawk? 56? I, I was uh, busy trying not to die, but I just saw it. Yeah. Cats. It was white and bronze. It was beautiful. And I, I, I managed just to see the price. It was like $6,500. I'm like, Randy, take it back. Return to DeSoto. Get the porch. <laughs> but it had wings, and, and I know uh, Randy doesn't do wings, and I think Abby does them even less. So I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, see, that's the thing that I have with like the late '50s, '60s cars is the huge fins, and it's just it's it. not my thing. I I don't I don't like it. And as soon as you get out of the like, it's the fins start to like phase out you start getting like you need a boating license to drive this car <laughs> i mean we looked at one what was it? it was a skylark i think or something and i'm like it looks like two cars smashed into each other and like the front of the other car became the back and it was just it was huge i think it was probably about as big as his dad's king ranch so what an f-350 long bed <laughs> and i'm like i i don't want to drive that like there's just no way and I, I don't like the big cars. And then you head into the 70s, and I mean, there's, you know, Mustang 2 or whatever. Hey, 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 No cursing. Sorry. You shall, the thing that shall not be named happened. And then you're, before you know it, you're into the 80s, and you have to just be like, that didn't happen. And then, you know, then we're up to our 95 Corollas. So at that point, why not just buy a new car? So my, my, my era is like, 55 and under i do love i do love me some really old cars she's more of a pre-war but we did kind of settle yeah uh on on this is something we both like i've always wanted a 41 ford convertible like uh, that's money man that is just the literally 15 grand yeah yeah literally it's money because it's dope and then it's also money because it's really expensive like a lot of the good pre-war cars are really expensive. Yeah, especially the convertibles. Those are those are rare, and they're all torn apart, and they just they're. I we we actually had this conversation when we were out going to pick to to go look at this Desoto. So eight years ago, when when Randy, I didn't know he was picking out my engagement ring. I assumed I had shown him a Willie's Ace Deluxe. You gotta look this up because you have no one's ever heard of this. Um, and it looks like it has like the Wario symbol and the grill. It was so Whoa, cool. I found it on Craigslist, and I thought he was going to buy me this car. And I was like, I I like the fact that he proposed, but I can say now, after being married for eight years, I kind of wish she would have gotten me the car. That's why she's a keeper. <laughs> Um, it was super the, uh, cool, and yeah, I'd never seen anything like that. And I do, I am a Willys fan. I love Jeeps, and I really wanted a Scrambler for a really long time. Not the new one, but the old one. And uh, Jeepsters are also pretty cool. But the Willys Ace Deluxe, and it had all the chrome bits for it. It had been basically kept in a barn, and the guy had shoved it out in the field, and he was like, my wife told me it can't sit there. So it's, it had been there for a couple of months. 
and it was gone. But I mean, I got an engagement ring, so I had to be married to this guy. So we all know Abby likes the Willie. <laughs> hey, hey, there is a song called Don't Touch My Willie. There is actually, you should look it up. It's all about Willie Nelson. I almost sent Randy a 55 Willie's Jeep. That was like seven grand. That was really nice. And I was like, you know, he'll probably buy this because Abby wants it. And I didn't, I didn't want to send him that. He needed to get something cooler. Yeah. Couldn't have that. No, no. He needed to, he needed to join the crew. Yeah, well, the, the saddest thing about two of my, us. my Willie's Ace Deluxe, the saddest part about it is we've never seen another one since. Like, ne- Never. Never. We've never seen another one. And I think they only made, like I think, like 10,000 of them in total over, like, five years. So it was sad. Those are the compact ones, right? Um. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, pretty, pretty they're, they're a favorite of gassers and like and uh, like hot rodder uh, drag guys. Like they they're oh, they make so a, they've all been uh, so chopped and screwed. Then they're yeah. all completely in the Willie's arrow and it, it, screw. Like, I think Jeff was saying earlier, like at the time, like Willie's arrow, it, it was a Kaiser product, so it fell under Kaiser Motor at that point. So mm-hmm. yeah, Willie's arrow Ace Deluxe from 19, 1952 to 1955. So they're cool, yeah. Very minute era. You don't see them a lot in the in the shows. They're they're a they're a, a rare car to find, but they're they're kind of like the precursor to like the Nash Metro. Yeah. They're a little bit bigger, a little bit wider, but they're they're equally like short and cute. Yes, and I loved the 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 W on the front. It was my yeah. No, they got a really neat steering wheel and, and front end. So well we could we could go on and on and talk about uh, all the other links that have been flowing through through chat, including a wonderful uh link in Mark Eight. Um those are just so cool because they're there are these weird rounded Lincolns with five hundred bucks. Just How do I not buy like this? The That's another zero, my man. Did I misread it that bad? Five. Yep, it's four. It's four digits, my man. It's five thousand. Oh man, that's just about. Never mind. Way of a price. Yeah. <laughs> that's about about what they go for, but um. And he's got 18-inch Selene rims, so. Yeah, it makes a little more sense. If you say 500 bucks, I could buy it and part it and make money on it. Yeah, well, those Selene's are probably worth more than yeah. that. Uh, plus, it's got new coilovers, uh, Cobra calipers. Like, yeah, there's got a Termi bumper on it, my man. Yeah. Did you see that? Oh, well, that's okay. So everyone look up a Lincoln Mark... Uh, eight. This one seems to be a um, ninety-eight, and it's but it's got a Terminator bumper on it. Let's steal this photo. That was like the spiritual successor of your Desoto. <laughs> Boy, yeah, weird. Because weird is the word. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention uh, uh, the key for the, for our car currently. <laughs> 
is a is literally a filed down eight millimeter Allen wrench. Nice. Yeah. yeah. He ordered a cylinder today, a locks or uh Yeah, the screwdriver would have been too fancy. Oh he, <laughs> he spent time grinding this thing to a square. Like it's super uh, it's irritating to get in there too. Like it's that's what she said. Hey-oh. Oh god. <laughs> So on the way back, uh, as I'm still figuring this car out, we get to, we come through Wood Village and um, we're at the Washman there. You, you know where I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Office yeah. Stark, Stark yeah. and Hogan. And uh, uh, I'm just behind Jeff and Jeff's at the front of the line, light turns red. Uh, and as I'm coming to a stop, I, I mess something up and I kill it, which is really hard to kill this car. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, oh shit. And you're I, on the phone with me. I'm on the phone with Abby, and so I'm just like, gotta go because I was just calling just you didn't long say enough. Gotta to... go. You dropped my. You dropped the phone down onto the seat, so I got to hear you fumbling around, <laughs> yeah, I swearing like a like a sailor. And I'm like, and I'm watching him because I can see because I'm behind him. I can see him like flopping around. I'm like, he must have killed the car. So I I knew that if if I drive around the uh, the Allen key falls out of the ignition. <laughs> Um, and so that, that would suck. I'm like, well, if it dies, I need to have access to this. There's literally nowhere in this car to set anything or it just ends up on the ground at the other side of the or, or out of the hole. Nothing. (laughs) Imagine that would suck. I didn't even think about that. That would have been awful. So there's not even dropped her phone out of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, it can't be any worse than what Randy's already done. No, no, like... no, I'm, I'm telling a story. Yeah, Randy puts his phone on top of other people's cars. I don't anymore. And doesn't tell them that it's <laughs> there. So there's an ashtray. Is that what happened to your iPhone? Yes, yes that's, that's what happened, what happened to happened. his actual iPhone. <laughs> so yeah. there's oh, and then he did it to his sunglasses my the other day, too. I left it on my dad's truck. I left my sunglasses on the X5. I found those. So there's an ashtray in the middle of the <laughs> console, uh, like above the radio where the radio should be. And so I opened that and I kept leaving the keys key in there. Uh, and so I'm like, oh shit. And so I like open that and I'm fumbling in there. I can barely reach it. I, I get that out of there and then I gotta, so I can't really see directly inside the ignition cylinder because like the door is in the way because it's all the way on the left side right next to the door and so it's like way down and left so i can't actually like get a good view in it and i've got my sunglasses on and so it's not in the middle there's like a little square at the top of the ignition cylinder and so i gotta get this key in there and like fumbling yes i know yes abby (laughs) stop it i'm fumbling to find the hole with the stick and I finally, I finally get it in there, and, and poof, uh, another kid. Then it's a. Hey, you have no. <laughs> I know, but still. Um, and so the the ignition's really finicky too, and so like I turn it and it just clicks. I go back and I turn it again, it just clicks. I'm like, don't tell me the battery just died. And so this is a six volt system with um, positive ground with. Positive ground. That's gonna be awesome. <clears throat> and so I, I turn the the ignition key. Finally, it starts to go, and I don't know anything about six volt. 
And so when you start a six bolt car, generally it does this wonderful thing where it goes boom, 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 and then it's like you're like you think there's no battery left the whole time, and you just keep waiting for it to just not start. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Exactly. Um, But it worked. It it started and it fired. And then I have to find first, which three on the tree. Um, We just can't find any of the bowls or buttons today, can you? Literally the worst. And so I finally find first. And as I find first, I'm like, okay, I think that's first. I'm literally sweating now. Because again, it's it's hot. It's like six o'clock last night in Gresham car has no AC and there's literally a hole between my feet in the floor that all the hot air was blowing straight at my face, like directly straight up at me. People underestimate how much work carpet and a firewall does. For it's heat. incredible. Like it's so yeah. bad with just the steel. So I can, along a different lines, Jeff, I have found replacement for the floor like you can actually get replacement panels for the yeah. floor yep would it be worth like randy's over here shaking his head like a mofo to, like would it be worth and i mean maybe andy understands this because i don't understand fiberglass i'd assume something like you could cut with like a chainsaw or like a saw a chainsaw huh i don't know it's first wait, wait so you're, you're telling me the, the floor is the floor is fiberglass Yes, no, sir. he covered yes. it with fiberglass. Oh, it, 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 he covered it, the holes in the floor. It's not. That's not a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen worse. It's done, but, I mean, but it's. But as as far as now replacing that panel. Yeah, because I I mean I found you can get new panels. They have like they found the molds, and you can get new panels for the Chryslers. I don't know if I could get them. I found a few for the front, especially the side panels. And um, the driver's side panel, I have found you can get new ones. Yeah. You can put them in. Because I don't know if it's one solid bucket. It's probably a tub. Or if it's... it's you're, okay. you're probably talking a so lot of cutting and loading. Okay. There's going to be a pain to try and get rid of the fiberglass next to where we're going to weld, right? Not really. Just cut it out. Well, it depends on what size the yeah, patch panel is. So the way that I looked at it, that guy put a fiberglass in places he probably yeah. couldn't have. Um, he just laid down a bunch of mat, resined it, and poured yeah. 15 over everything. Like, it'll hold for a while, but you think you got an inconsistency in metal there. You know, you got, like, you got fiberglass and metal, so eventually moisture will get there, get inside there. And it will so take more rust. So, so we'll eventually have to, to change this out, right? Uh, I would recommend it, but like again, if you're not going for a concourse, if, and, and I'm trying to I'm trying to tailor my answers to your abilities right now, so I would worry about that later, um, about the time you're ready to do carpet or something. Um, like I would I would fix what the big rust areas first. Like do the do the inconspicuous shit. Get good at replacing rust and fixing that. Um, or I can show so you and then what I'm hearing you know, is redo the trunk first. Start with the is trunk. Is the trunk been done? 
No, the trunk like there is the trunk floor is fine. She's talking yeah. about the the edges where we know that rust cancer is. Yeah. Don't start there. Start on the uh, start on the floor braces on the uh, on the uh, oh the B pillar uh, on the inside, the inconspicuous stuff. And then I would from there move. Um, I would probably move to the trunk since that's going to require the least amount of welding if you get a patch panel. And then, um, but you'll want to have somebody. Well, it's a tough call. Like. You could either do that or the floor or the uh, doors next because the doors, you're just going to cut out small sections of metal and weld it back in and then hammer and dolly it um, and then block it and, and bondo it. Is there any cancer? Um, but the rear panel is going to be a big panel that you're going to need to get lines correct and you're going to want to cut templates and lots of measurements and stuff. Um, kind of like what I had to do. So... Uh, oh. It's a tough call. Whatever you want to start with, feel most comfortable with. Well, uh, I'm going to say that this probably brings us to the end of our 25th episode of Garage Night. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, and a special thanks to uh, my wife, Abby, for uh, joining and for buying a car that I get to work on. Um, I should just say thank you for my mir- like my lovely, beautiful queen of a wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Garage Night or email us at Tiny Dog Podcast Network at Outlook.com and also check out all of the other shows at tinydogpodcast.com. Definitely. And feedback is always welcome. Uh, any of the usual avenues, uh, quick ratings, reviews, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, um, Amazon, you know, uh, anything and everything always helps. Yep, and we have um, uh, we we have uh, kind of gotten access back to our uh, Instagram accounts and our websites, so those are now uh, being updated again. Um, and I'm going to do kind of a monthly uh, blog post about just changes to the network and stuff. And um, we're still figuring out video editing uh, software uh, problems. Uh, just the computer I use is not playing nice with the programs, uh, but we uh, we are still working on uh, YouTube stuff. We've got mics. We've got uh, like another problem is with the uh, with the current you know COVID still being a, a thing as we record this. Uh, it's kind of hard to get together and do um, you know get get together and, and record stuff in groups and actually produce something and, and put it together while keeping everyone safe. You know, we, we just want to make sure that everything's uh, above board. Um, so, but that is all in process. And uh, so without any further ado, uh, from all of us here, uh, we will wish you a good night. Good night, good night everybody. Good night. Eat. listening to the garage night podcast a special thanks for jeff tracy and annie tamlin for joining the show this week until next week keep turning wrenches hello and welcome to garage night damn it i knew it Unenthused. I knew it. <laughs>
I think I got that clean. I'm going to use that. Was that you being Congress? Ooh. Yes. That's two, that's two weeks in a row we've had like a political thing at the at the open. Yeah, but it's generic <laughs> enough that no one gets upset. <laughs> and I cut it out also. So between those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yay, it's not live. Um, okay. I love you all. Shut the hell up. Hello and welcome to Gr- Damn it. <laughs> this is this is why this is why these shows take so long. Hello and welcome all to right. Garage. All right, I'm not gonna lie this time. Ready, go. <laughs> You know, we can we can have bloopers in other places than the beginning. It's possible. It's not as funny. It's not. <sighs> Hello and welcome to Garage Night. We're friendship. We're <laughs> friendship. <laughs> you said friendship. I'm out. That is you. Eh? I want to start Hello, drinking. Welcome to Garage Night, where all we do is screw with Randall. <laughs> no, that's that's about right.